Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast. I'm Brian Horning, one of your co-hosts here with Randy Bryan from Tech Rescue down in Texas. How are you today, sir? Pretty good. How's it going? Uh, it's a little cold here in Philly, to be honest with you. Um, it got cold quick, and uh, we are probably in the thick of the end of fall, beginning of winter here very fast. So a little bit of shock to the uh, to the nervous system when it's a high of 40 uh, and windy. So How cold is it? 40. We had, 40 frost. We had frost this morning. And yeah, that's cute. around here. Yeah. It's like 75 today. 31 when I woke up and it's going to be 25 tonight. So that's not bad. Not bad. So, all right, brother. So we got a, we got a quick, fast moving show planned for today. Uh, we're going to, we're going to nail out a, a bunch of uh, topics um, that we're going to touch on briefly. Um, and the goal for today is, is to kind of give everybody a, a really good idea of all the different things that are going on. We spent uh, the last couple podcast episodes deep diving into some specific areas. Um, and now we today heading into the Thanksgiving holiday, we kind of want to paint a picture of all the different things and components that are going into this problem that we call cybersecurity. Um, I guess that's a fair way to put it, right? Cause yeah. we have, so we're going to talk about, ransomware threats. We're going to talk about the government. Um, we're going to talk about some reasons and some very specific things as to why this stuff is happening. Uh, and then we're going to talk about, you know, some companies that are dealing with, uh, dealing with ransomware attacks. And we're going to talk about a company or an organization that dealt with a ransomware attack and what they're experiencing. Um, because it's always good to look at you know, or, or prepare on the left side or in front of it. But what does it look like after you get hit? Because I still think there's that, there's that, those businesses out there that think it's just a ransomware payment and you move on with your life. And we have enough evidence and stories to prove that that's not the case. So we're going to kind of highlight that a little bit. Uh, one big hosting provider got hit. And I think it's important to bring that to light and make people understand, um, how how these things like these big companies that we rely on for infrastructure hosting software cloud-based stuff and and when you do everything on the front end to protect your data but then they have a back-end type of problem again something we need to be aware of you know we can't pretend that these things don't happen and don't exist so we're going to dive into that um you're probably guilty of this if you run a small business and you built your own website there's another scam going on out there around ransomware. We're going to dive into that today. So if you run your own website and you know what WordPress is and you log into it and do things to your own business's website, you're going to want to stay tuned to the end of the show to figure out what's going on there. And then just a quick update for all business owners to know where your insurance carrier is going to leave you or not leave you or leave you hanging with Cyber insurance, things are changing, right, in the world of cyber insurance. And we're going to cover some of the more recent changes to what these insurance companies are doing to try to figure out how to make money. Because I think we've mentioned it on this podcast before that cyber insurers really don't know how to make money on this product yet. And there's a big debate on whether or not uh, paying the ransom through cyber insurance is contributing to the problem. Uh, so we're going to talk about what 
insurance companies and carriers are actually doing uh, to make the product that they sell more profitable, but also, you know, provide the coverage that needs to be provided to businesses that, especially the big businesses that do a lot of revenue and the ones that seem to be favorite targets of these ransomware actors today. So without further ado, my friend, ransomware is a threat for this, even for all businesses, right? We, I guess we can agree on that. And I, and I was actually at a dinner last week where it was a lot of small business, uh, micro businesses, let's call them that. Like businesses, pretty much 10 employees or, or roughly around there. Um, and we had a good discussion around ransomware, but it was evident through the questions that they were asking. They were aware of ransomware, but they are, were completely clueless on a lot of different things in that, you know, some of them had cyber insurance, some of them didn't. And a lot of them didn't know that uh, when I pointed out to them that when, you know, if you get cyber insurance involved or you file a claim, when you have a breach, your people and your trusted IT provider, partner or whatever, is not going to be involved in that process early on in the, in the first couple of days. And a lot of times when you have cyber insurance in place, you're going to have to sit on the sidelines until the cyber insurance gives your company and your IT people the green light to move forward because they have an investigation to do. They have things to figure out in order to, you know, determine the best way to get you out of this situation that you're in. And that's really what happens. And this whole room, almost to almost all the business owners were, were surprised when I said that to them, when I said, Hey, at a minimum with your cyber insurance, you're going to be down for three or four days where you're not going to be able to do anything just simply because you're waiting for this, the insurance company to engage. Um, so we have this article uh, that we looked at and talked about where there's a recent report from WebRoot around the hidden costs of ransomware, which we're going to kind of, you know, explain a little bit later in the show as well. Um, when we talk about what happened down in uh, Maryland with the Burlington County School District. But it found that 85% of companies like yours and mine, MSPs, have reported attacks against small and medium-sized businesses, despite that appalling high number, just 28% of F SMBs consider ransomware a worry. So 85% of the businesses that SM that managed service providers work with, 85% of them have had to deal with ransomware, but only 28% of SMBs consider a worry. So like where like I can I can go a lot of different directions with these numbers. What do you what are, what does this lead you to believe? Well, obviously there's a disconnect. Um, there's a disconnect between the facts and what people perceive. Um, and that disconnect in this case is about a 50% difference. Um, before we dive in too much though, I do want to encourage people to like, share, and subscribe this podcast all over everywhere. Uh, Brian and I don't do this for money. Um, we do it because we want to educate. Just like the theme song says, we want to tell you something new. Um, and so we're going to do that today. This, um, this disconnect though, um, it's it's I see it all the time. It's uh, it's very disturbing to people like me and you who want to you know we care about making a difference in the world 
and we want to protect our clients. Um, we don't want them to lose their businesses. And so it's really disturbing to people like me and you because business owners don't see that connection. In fact, one of the number one questions I get asked is why would they want to come after my business? You know, we're, we're say, let's say $1 million revenue and we don't really have any private, um, you know, in, identifiable information. We don't have health information on people. Like, why would they want to target my business? And this, this article really gets into that because there's money to be made there. And, you know, maybe a lot of the big fruits already been tapped. Um, and now they're just, they're going to follow the money. And the article also goes into why it's easy right now to, uh, to do that because of ransomware as a service, which basically allows a criminal to pay a little bit of money or give a finder's fee or give a little bit of uh, what they make off the side or however they work that out. But it basically allows them to buy ransomware that then they can go deploy. And so someone else is doing all of the figuring out the exploits and all of that, and then they can take it and, and deploy it. So I think the main reason for the disconnect is people maybe don't realize their, their business is worth um, a lot and there's an easy way to get money out of them with this ransomware as a service. Right. And then one, I guess one of the devil's in the details, right? Cause I could, as a business owner, Look at those numbers and reasonably without context say, boy, it seems like managed service providers have a high percentage of their clients that get hacked. Is the problem with the managed service provider? And, you know, that big disconnect that you see there, is that because a lot of SMBs are not working with a managed service provider, Right. Is it, are the numbers skewed for managed service providers in that their clients are more susceptible to a ransomware attack than had they do it on their own? Because without context, that's what those numbers could possibly tell somebody. Do you agree or disagree with my assessment of that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. And that's a problem, right? That's a problem when managed service providers are coming out and saying it's like 85% of my clients have dealt with ransomware. Um, do we, you know, going back to your point, is it more, do you think it's more what I said, or do you think it's more what you said where it's SMBs are just not admitting to this problem, but the managed service providers like, yeah, I helped that business through ransomware attack, even though they won't admit it. Well, you know, it could also be, so it says 85% of managed service providers have reported attacks. I mean, I can get on my Bitdefender dashboard right now and could see that there were attacks that Bitdefender stopped. So if I was in a survey, would I then, you know, if they surveyed me for this article, would I say, oh yeah, 85% of our businesses have had attacks. I don't know that this is actual ransomware that is that 85% number. Um, I do think, I think bottom line, it's probably all of the above. Um, mm -hmm. There's, there's a disconnect. There is, um, I do, I do, I believe that MSPs make a small and medium sized business more at risk. No, I would say that if they're doing their job right, they're going to be more aware 
of potential attacks. I mean, like, you know, we have insight into 365 and, you know, we can tell when somebody right away, we get notified when people try to log in from outside of, you know, areas that are approved and this and that, like a lot of these, a lot of these attacks you can see coming and, you know, maybe the, maybe the MSPs are just going in, taking it from that, that standpoint, you know, that perspective. I love the point. And then look at, look at this article, look how this um, writer wrote this particular statement and I'm just going to highlight it real quick. But these days, anyone who needs some holiday money can launch a ransomware attack. Like, wow. Yep. Like that sentence right there is pretty damning. It's like, disturbing. Right. You just needed some extra cash. Go lock up some company's files. Right. And, you know, that's kind of how easy it's become. You know, and it's sad. Right. It's, it's almost like saying, you know. It's, you know, back in the day when they just used to walk in the stores and smash and grab type stuff, right? It's mm -hmm. almost like you, this is your digital smash and grab and, you know, there's nobody to chase, right? Because it's, it's virtual, it's digital. Uh, and that's, unfortunately, it's a, a huge problem. So any other, there's some other stats at the bottom of this. Is there anything else out of, out of that article that you think is important to kind of highlight or bring out? Um, well, yeah, so um, a, a paragraph or so uh, down, well, actually, same paragraph. Sophos says that ransomware as a service is now compromising 60% of, of attacks. Um, you know, we should probably, I don't know, I, I've, I've, we, we've covered where they're actually reaching out to employees um, of companies trying to get you know, hey, we'll give you $100,000 if you give us access, you know, from the inside of your company. Um, I can't speak for other countries, but I know um, I, I, an employee really wouldn't want to do that in the U.S. for sure, because there's pretty strong laws against that. Um, that would be a, and you'd get, probably get caught um, because of the way, the way laws and logging and things like that work. Um, in the U.S. The other thing I think is funny, same paragraph, um, is um, I, think, I think we've mentioned it also in the past, is a lot of these people are, the criminals are actually losing their money in the transaction because other criminals are taking their money. So they're not getting all their money because other people are taking the ransom before they can get it. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. And then, you know, the rest of this, the rest of this article has some interesting things. Number one, Webroot is reporting that 64% um, of businesses that were hit with an attack suffered downtime and 45% were knocked offline long enough that their very business was threatened. Mm -hmm. Meaning like threatened to go out of business, not like yeah. some sales were threatened. It's disturbing. And, and the cost of that downtime. Now, and again, unfortunately, this writer didn't really dial into what size of businesses we're talking here, but just based on my experience and these numbers, we're talking about businesses under 20 employees, probably more like 10, right? And if you have 10 employees and then the article goes on to say the cost of that downtime came to $141,000 $141, 
that's up almost $100,000 from what it was in 2020 against these businesses. That does not count the average ransomware payment uh, for these types of businesses of around $6,000. And that number is even higher depending on the size of your business. So that $6,000 number tells me these are really small businesses that we're talking about here. Right. And, you know, what the author says is, can your business survive that? Can you basically take a hit of $150,000 in basically a two week period? Can you come up with $150,000 out of nowhere to be able to survive this and get through the attack? You know, that's the question here, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, even a 10 person business absorbing a $150,000 hit, if they're, you know, if they're not super profitable and they're not running some like crazy, like, you know, cash reserves type of thing that they set up, most businesses have two or three months of operating expenses in their account. And, uh, and a 10 person company probably isn't going to have $150,000 laying around to just write a check to, you know, criminal hackers and wherever else you got to write a check to, to get through this stuff. Um, and then cyber reason, another cybersecurity company found that, uh, or a cyber insurance company found that half of respondents in a, in a survey that they did felt that um, the security professionals felt that they didn't have the right tools to fight back. And they were particularly unprepared for attacks over the holidays. So we're talking about really small companies here. The ones that like, there's one guy and if he goes home or takes a couple of days off, nobody's watching anything. That's what I'm getting from this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're unprepared for attacks over the holidays. Well, why would they say that? Why would they respond to that in a survey? Because they don't have somebody sitting there watching their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who wants to come back after Thanksgiving and find their PCs and servers locked up with ransomware and demands popping up all over the screen, which is a, a reality and and the truth, and just think about this from a business owner's perspective. If you're running this type of operation, you have 10 employees or so, and you're working with a guy, right? You got an IT guy, you got your friend, he's been your buddy forever, and he does your IT. Um, you know, I can't think of other scenarios, maybe a very small MSP with like an owner and a helper, um, or an IT company with an owner and a helper, however you want to term it, right? And what other situations have you seen? I think that's pretty much the gamut, right? Single IT guy with no support or small MSP with, uh, you know, a helper, maybe MSPs even by himself, right? Mm-hmm. And these are the types of relationships and companies that we're talking about where, you know, they just don't have the resources to dedicate to somebody watching, you know, what's going on on your network over the weekend and these types of things go down um, and you only find out when it's on your screen. And that's why um, 50% or more of these respondents felt like they didn't have the right tools to fight. Right. That. Now that brings up an interesting point. I don't look at this as a tool problem. Do you? Because I don't look at this as like tools Tools help us. They're, and I think that is a huge disconnect between fantasy and reality when it comes to cybersecurity that there's no tool. There's no silver bullet. There's no one thing. You're not going to buy Arctic Wolf and that's going to solve all your, uh, your cybersecurity problems. 
That's just a tool to help you in the fight, right? Well, there's no, there's no tank, there's no gun, there's no one thing that helps a country win a war. And we got to start looking at this as a war. And like you have to have a lot of different things in your tool chest to be able to fight back. That's literally what I was going to say is you um, one one thing is not going to be your silver bullet. But when you have a layered approach, you start off with zero, zero trust, which is it's basically a mindset of you don't trust anything. You already assume that the bad actors are in your system. And then you build from from your what you're trying to protect. You build out layers basically from there um, using tools, using your firewalls, using your network, um, but basically a layered approach. So, yeah. So your you know, Arctic Wolf is not your. It's not your silver bullet, but it can be an arrow in your, you know, in your quiver, if you will. Um, the the whole idea is that this stuff doesn't catch you off guard, um, and you make it difficult if they make if they get through one layer, then they are held up at the next layer. Um, and you're right, there's there's not a silver bullet. Um, it's the mentality to take um, is like we live in Texas. We've got the Gulf Coast. If you have a house on the Gulf Coast, it's not a matter of when you're going to have um, or if you're going to have a hurricane. It's when you're going to have a hurricane at least once every 10 years. There's a devastating hurricane that hits the Texas Gulf Coast and wipes out billions of dollars in homes. And so you have to be prepared for that. Same way with a cyber attack. We need to be prepared for it and we need to do everything that we can do to be ready hopefully stop it. If we don't stop it, we've got to have a way to come back, uh, come back from it when it does happen. So, nice. so yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a tool problem. It's, there's a lot of things at play here. We've got people that, that aren't caught up with what's going on. Um, we've got people that aren't willing to put the money into it that needs to go into it. Can I make one more, real quick comment about the previous article? They said that 85% of breaches involve somebody making a mistake. Oh, wow. You can start off by training your people and you can, you know, if we're talking about a hundred yard football field, man, you're taking the ball from the zero yard line to like the 50 yard line just by starting to train your people and making your people aware so they won't make those dumb mistakes. Good. Well said. I like it. Good point. I didn't pick up on that stat that you just pulled out, but that was a that's a that's a excellent stat and an excellent point. So, on the, along the same lines of what I mentioned uh, in in that last segment there about you know who wants to come back from from ransomware over Thanksgiving, and I kind of you know put myself out there again like I usually do, and um, back in September said heading into you know the holiday season we're probably going to see an up uptick on things and. My uh, prediction was not a guess. It was based on what I was seeing on the dark web and the different tactics and planning that I have uncovered. And I determined that, you know, there probably is going to be an uptick. And sure enough, our government is seeing the same stuff, right? And they issue uh, Thanksgiving ransomware warning. And it's uh, CNN uh, Sean Lingus has written this article and released it uh, yesterday, the 22nd, 
And U.S. officials are telling American business and government organizations to take extra precautions against hackers this Thanksgiving following multiple ransomware attacks during previous holiday periods. So it should now I told you why I predicted that this would there was going to be an uptick. Should we just be in this world where when there is a holiday weekend, an extended period of time where typically employees and IT people might not be in the office. Should we just be chalking that up to, well, there could be an increase of ransomware attacks because, you know, people aren't going to be in the office on Thursday and Friday. Do you agree with that kind of line of thinking? I mean, yes, because I mean, that is just statistically the reality, the time for an attack to most likely start. Um, and we're talking, okay, so we're not talking about when they got in your network. We're not talking about the months and months that they've been sleuthing and getting all their ducks in a row and, you know, cataloging passwords and, you know, configurations and all this. But the day that they decide to drop the hammer, they're most likely to do that on Friday um, at like 530, you know, and personally, um, I think that you should have been quoted in this article because this is kind of your your thing, you know, you called the July 4th, the July 4th attack. But I also said there wouldn't be one over Labor Day. Yeah, so and I also said attacks would increase over the holidays. Personally, I believe things, businesses that are involved with the delivery of consumer goods are going to be the ones targeted because this is their heyday. They make their money in these three months. This is when they make their profit. If their businesses can't operate when in this time period, it's going to wipe them out, you know, so they right. will be more willing to pay the ransom. And cyber criminals are in tune to this. They know they can use that as leverage to potentially increase their chances of getting paid. Um, so the interesting thing is, is out of this article is that um, CISA and the FBI, CISA is kind of like our government cybersecurity you know, wing, uh, told organizations to identify key IT employees who could be on call in the event of a ransomware attack. That's what our government's advice is to business. Make sure you got some dude with a cell phone so he can be called. They'll get, who's going to call him? Exactly. The employees who got the ransomware on their screen or the hackers aren't going to call them. They don't know who to call. It's pretty bad advice in my opinion. Right? Make sure some dude has a cell phone to tell you when you've been attacked. How about this? How about businesses need to do the things ahead of time because somebody's been in your network for two weeks preparing to launch this attack on Thursday. So businesses should be looking for evidence or specific things in their network that may have been modified, changed, you know, so that these guys could do this on Thursday. The planning of this is happening on your networks right now. They're not going to get in on Thursday and deploy ransomware Thursday. If they get on Thursday, you're going to get ransomware at Christmas time. Right. So this is the problem with where we're at today and with our government. They put shit like this out where it's like, have some dude sitting around with a beeper and have his pager go off 
so, you know, give everybody a number and they can page them if they see ransomware. Well, you already have it at that point. Right. So, you know, who should have the cell phone, in my opinion, if that's going to be your plan? The CEO. Right. Because the IT guy, the poor IT guy who's going to get all stressed out when the employees are calling them because they can't use their computer can't do crap at this point. The CEO can. The CEO is going to be the one who needs to make the decisions. Unless you got a comprehensive incident response plan, which if you do, you probably aren't rolling like this. Would give some dude a cell phone. Right? But like there's a lot. I, I mean, I could I could talk the whole damn podcast about this one statement. Like, think about think about the state of cybersecurity in this country if that's the advice our government is giving private businesses. Yeah, I mean it's almost like they are just doing a little bit of covering their butts. Um, so then Monday, if it happened, they can go back and say, well, we warned, we, as we warned Americans, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. Um, and it goes back to what I was saying a little while ago. If they're going to launch an attack on Thursday, they're already there. And they've been in your network for probably months. They've been cataloging things. Um, the, the more info, information they have when, when they make their strike, which is basically what it is, it's like a lightning strike. When they make that strike, they, the more information they can have before that time, the better chance they have of getting their tentacles in there and then basically manipulating you for the most money that they can. No. So that, you know, that's going to involve like if they can get, get your website information you know, and have that in their back pocket. If they can find, in, if they can get um, phone numbers of, you know, personal phone numbers of your C-level executives, have that ready. You know, when they start these negotiations with you to get this money to un unlock your own computers, you know, they can go in and put some kind of weird, horrible message on your website, you know, make phone calls to your C-level employees or even your regular employees. You do a, do a, phone tree and say, you know, you're not going to make any money from this company, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's so many things that they can do. And it, it, it they've been there for a while. So bottom line, I'm, I'm off on a tangent. I've kind of got started. But bottom line is if they pull the trigger, you know, tonight, over the weekend, over the holiday, they've been in there for a while. Right. 100%. And, and like, and you're right, they're getting themselves to the point where they can just flip a switch and the chaos ensues quickly, right? But it doesn't happen, everything doesn't happen that quickly. Nope. There's a build-up, there's reconnaissance, there's, you know, them figuring out the best way to do this so they can get paid. Uh, and the interesting thing, along with the U.S. government issuing this warning, um, uh, the counterpart over in the U.K. is called the National Cybersecurity Centra, Center. Um, issued its own warning Monday uh, that cyber criminals had compromised customer payment information on 4,000 small business websites. I don't know the details of that. I'm going to assume that WordPress was involved and we're going to talk about that in a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got <clears throat> two of the biggest countries in the world, governments issuing warnings for this weekend. Uh, and I guess just because I'm a little bit of a a little bit of a historical buff around this kind of stuff. It was Thanksgiving in 20, 
2014 or 2018 that Sony was hit. 2014. Right? So, so we go. So, why is all this happening, uh, Randy? Why is all this crazy stuff happening? Why is it so easy? Why is it, why is it like, why is it so easy that a reporter at Computer World decided to say, if you just need holiday money, just launch a ransomware attack? Well, it's because we make it easy. As human beings, we make it easy for these guys. And, you know, as this article points out from uh, tech.co, we still have a major, major problem around passwords in, in, the, in, the, in the world, right? That we're still using things like password being the second most used password in, in the United States. And this, this is why cyber attacks happen, because one website needs to get compromised and they know what your password is, and then they can just try to use that password on bank, even if you don't have an account at a bank, there's still there's a list of banks that they're just going to yep. and trying your email address with that password. Yep. And if you don't have two factor turned on, they're getting in bank accounts, social media accounts, any account they want to get into. You know, they can, well, they can take your username and password, that combination, roll it out to a million bots, if you will. Um, and those bots can then go each try to log into 20 different accounts. And in a matter of minutes, they've tried your username and password combination all over the Internet. And if you reuse passwords, they're probably going to get into something. A lot of sites still don't have multi-factor authentication where you have to give, you know, a second so, of identification. I was in New York. I was in New York City. Uh, a while back, about a month ago. And I got to meet with a bunch of like entertainers who, you know, they're not, they're not household names, but they're very successful in the entertainment business. Right. And they're all performers. They're all, you know, on stage somewhere, um, you know, in New York, in LA, they, they fly all over the country, you know, people hire them. Uh, so they're known, right? They have a nice following on social media. And there were six or seven of them in a group that I was standing around talking to. And we were literally just having a casual conversation about life. And they asked me what I did. And I told them what I do. And, and you know, they asked me, like, what's one thing that they can do? And I said, let me ask you something right now. When you log into, because they're very big on Instagram. I'm like, when you log into Instagram, or do you get a two-factor code? And they were like, what's that? And I literally educated these seven people on how to turn on two-factor authentication, which then turned into them texting and messaging other people in their circle saying, yo, you got to do this right now. Like you got to turn this on, you know, and these are the basic things that most people don't understand that password reuse and you don't think it's a big deal, but look at the stats. The top 200 passwords can be cracked in under one second. So the top 200 passwords being used by most people in the world can be cracked in under one second, right? And that's kind of where we're at today. So what else, because we got to move along here, what else in this article, like one or two big takeaways for you, one or two big stats? Um, well, the thing that for me, <laughs> I don't know about the stats, but just looking at the list of passwords, um, 
I'm like, it's it's what entertaining at the best, right? It is because like your your top seven are literally just a co- either numbers, letters, or password. So um, I can tell you based on research that we've done at my company that in our Philadelphia area, the number one password is Eagles because hmm. that's the professional football team, right? right? U.S. password problem. In the U.S., things are apparently even worse. Password is, the, is in fact, the second most commonly used password in the country. And quintessentially, American passwords that made the list in the U.S. include Superman, Mustang, Freedom, Yankees, all of which were used by tens of thousands of people. So if you're using... Superman, Mustang, Freedom, Yankees, or you have that as part of your password and you're using like Yankees 1942 or some crazy number at the end of it, you're not like that can easily be added into a password brute force attack software. Right. And a know, variation. They're already run through every year from here until 2020. There's a very good chance that if you're using a four digit number, you pick some year that started with 19 or 20. I only have like 200 I need to try, right? So when you right. boil it down that way, it doesn't make it seem too difficult. And there, um, it won't be a person that's trying it. It's going to be a computer that's doing it, probably part of a botnet. They're going to do thousands of combinations in, in, a, in a matter of minutes. So let's check this out. Let's bring this up. Number one passwords, one, two, three, four, five, six. Boy, you couldn't get any more lazy. Um Password one two three four five seven eight nine. Password one. Wow, Q W E R T Y. That's my favorite. Like I'll get them. It's random letters and characters. It's right across the top of the keyboard. Uh, I love use twelve. That's interesting. Sunshine monkey fourteen. Wonder where that's coming from. Uh, Seventeen princess. Eighteen baseball. Football dragon. Michael. Holy crap. Ah man. There's a lot of Michaels in the world. Maggie's number 25. Unknown. MySpace One. Who makes MySpace One their password? Look at that one. Interesting. Well, the first account they got was MySpace, and they learned that password, and they just stuck with it. Yeah, you probably have a good point there. And you couldn't use a – you had to at least use one number, right? They at least had a dollar sign to the end. You had to use a strong password and add that one at the end. Yeah, exactly. Superman, Tigger, Michelle, Buster, Pepper, Justin, Andrews. Everybody's using their name, it seems like. Now, interesting, I don't see on here. I know this password's used a lot because I've seen it in practical. And I know it's used, and I'm surprised it's not on this list. But are you talking about number 30? No. <laughs> you say maybe I missed it, but no. Okay. But on the, on the on the opposite side of that, right? When you sign into Windows, right, and you sign in, what comes up? Windows uh, Seven, or or like when you sign in back in the day, when you sign into Windows Seven, you type in a password. What comes up on the screen? Uh, like welcome. Exactly. Uh, I've seen welcome used as a password a lot more than a lot of these, and I got to imagine welcome. Is is in this list and they just missed it somehow. So, yeah, and I would say like 
rather than not use welcome, which you don't want to use welcome um, or any word, mm-hmm. get get a tool that will check your password one against known leaks and then two against your other passwords to make sure you don't have duplicates. Because once, once again, you're, you need to assume that someone's going to get into one of your accounts. Okay. And if you have that mindset, then if they get into one account, that's awful, but it doesn't mean they're going to get into all of your accounts because you're not like, you know, you know, welcome one is my bank. Welcome two is my doctor. Welcome three is my insurance. Um, you want to have big random passwords that you're not reusing um, to make it hard for them to blow through all of your stuff. All right, brother. So we're going to hit on five topics in the next five minutes. Wow. We're go through this quick. We don't, we don't need to beat these. That could be a new segment of our show. Five wait, wait. topics, five minutes. This is a new segment. Five topics in five minutes. We do it at the end. It's rapid fire. We already talked about a lot of this stuff, so it's going to be easy, right? First thing, one of the first publicly reported supply chain attacks during the holidays, Diamond Comics hit by ransomware attack. You like comics? Somebody in your family likes comics? Well, the the people who put it on the shelves so you can buy it and give it as a Christmas gift are dealing with a ransomware attack, which is going to just disrupt the supply chain, which is going to make it so it's going to be harder to find comics during the holiday season because these guys are dealing with a major problem and can't get comics to the comic book stores and wherever you buy them today. Um, good point, right? Yeah, they've, they've infected some of their websites and some of their internal machines, it sounds like. The websites are, are taking, part, taking care of a lot of the ordering. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. So my, my word to kids for this, this holiday season is set your expectations low because there's a lot of stuff that's going to be hard to find potentially. Um, so be happy that you got something. Um, and, you know, we'll wait till like March if you need these particular comics that aren't going to be, they're not going to be found. Some of this stuff's going to be really hard to find. Yeah, Santa's having a tough time getting his... Uh getting his supplies he needs to make all these toys. Elves are probably going crazy right now. I'm sure. All right. So Burlington County, I've talked about these guys a ton, man. And they are just, they just, the hits just keep on coming with this group. They thought, hey, we're not even going to pay the ransom at one point. And this saga has been going on for over a year. This is the Burlington County Public School District down in Maryland. And now the reason we're bringing this up is because the ransomware payment aside, this is how much this ransomware has affected this school district. And the price tag is nearing $10 million. What do you got to say about that, Mr. Randy? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure this was also one of those attacks that happened around the holidays. Um, they were shut down the week, before, the day before Thanksgiving, the two days after. Um, this, this is a good article to... For a small business, small and medium business to look at, because yes, you're not a school district, but this article goes into a lot of the different costs. I mean, okay, so you've got ransomware, you have to pay for that the ransom. You've got downtime, you got to pay for that. You've got people's personal information that was leaked, and so you've got to pay for 
you know, them to get like credit lock and credit monitoring and, you know, counseling or whatever. I mean, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And it's something that you want to try to stop in advance rather than wait till after it happens. It's way more expensive after the fact. Yep. Great point. Like I said, the hits just keep on coming. Like, and that's basically how you got to look at it after you get attacked with ransomware. So moving right along as we hit our five topics in five minutes, GoDaddy. GoDaddy gets breached again. Such a big company. I thought they'd take care of my security. What the hell happened here, Randy? Um, I mean, you know, for years and years, they tried to over-sexualize their, their ads and things like that. So I don't know, man. It's hard to take them seriously. But as a security company, um, you know, from a security standpoint, but bottom line was there was a breach. 1.2 million customers were affected. Um, we're talking about things, you know, like usernames. Um, I mean, customer customer numbers, emails. They actually even stole like some some um, SSH logins, like FTP logins. I believe I read. Nobody knows what that means, but basically, if I have that, I have complete control over your whole entire server. Yeah, and, uh, and then right. also You're certificates, um, yeah. right. which work on the negotiation. And between... I can pretend to be you, yes. right? I can create yes. a fake website, and I can yes. set up, you know, fake mm -hmm. things that make it look like I'm legitimately this company, but I'm not. Yeah, cyber squatting scams. Um, uh, you know, you don't think that this stuff is happening, but it is. Like. I could set up a domain, steal your certificate. It shows that your company owns it. I load it onto a different domain, a different web server. Then I start spamming your customers and sending that traffic to my fake website. And I'm now stealing their information or I'm getting them to do something, you know, to basically use your good name to exploit your customers. And that's how this stuff goes down. But before I move on, these, these are the, the Kingpin, the domain registered Kingpin has logged its fifth cyber incident since 2018. So about two a year. Way to go, GoDaddy. Yeah. Um, knocking it out of the park. I would say that on every single thing that was affected, they have done something for remediation, like reset passwords and things like that. So at least they're working to, uh, to overcome it. It's good. They have a good incident response plan, which is encouraging to hear when you have so many breaches. Um, <laughs> WordPress sites face wave of fake ransomware scams. What's going on here, Randy? Sounds like sounds like there's business owners I was talking about earlier that decide they don't need to hire a website company or a yeah. professional to do their website. So like, yeah, yeah we'll, just, we'll just buy WordPress. It's easy. You slap, you know, throw it up there, and then you throw it up there, and then you never log into it for a year, and what happens? Yeah. Um, so Word, WordPress is the most commonly used platform for websites, but it needs to be updated um, and it needs to be updated regularly. But business owners that are just doing it by themselves, they don't usually update it because you've got like a one in 10 chance of when you run the update, it breaks the site. And so they just, rather than break the site, they don't update it. Bottom line, these people are going in and they're, they're basically putting up like a splash screen on their website that says, you've got ransomware, and then pay money, blah blah blah, and they t and they're they're trying to get money from people that right. way. It's a fake pop up that makes it look like you have ransomware, and hope that you get scared and you then fall into the scam, which is probably 
the antivirus scam that's been around for ages where they act like they install antivirus on your system and they do all this cleanup yeah. and then they and then they take it further just to give people perspective you call them and then they say oh we cleaned up your system give us 50 bucks and then they do some stupid thing where they make it look like they refunded you 5000 bucks and now you owe them 4050 bucks and they try to get you to send them 4050 bucks and that's how all of this plays out. Like you're like, why would they do this? Why would they stick this thing? Because it's a scam. They're trying to get you to call them so that they can then scam you further. And it could be what I just described, or it could be some other scam that they got going on. But one of the common ones is, oh, you got ransomware. I can help you clean that up. And you think it's just, oh, I'm giving them 50 bucks and they're giving me antivirus and they're cleaning this up for me. That's just the beginning of the scam. The scam continues where then they say that they ref they were going to refund you the 50 bucks you paid them. And then it continues from there with the idea that they're going to try to get you to send them thousands of dollars under the guise that they refunded you too much money. Yep. Um, so it's crazy. Go watch YouTube videos. There's tons of guys that exploit these scams all the time. And you can see what I'm talking about. This one can be done as simply as just deleting the plugin that they put in. So, absolutely, this is 100%. a plugin. And you're right about the whole breaking the site thing. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why go in there and screw something up and then ruin your day, right? And you got to spend half the day fixing your website. So people just don't update them. Uh, so insurers can't figure out how to. And this is our last topic. Insurers run from ransomware cover as losses mount. And we've talked about this before. I've talked about it before. These guys can't figure out how to make money with this product. But the other problem is, and my biggest problem with this industry, is that they are overreaching and trying to dictate how companies like ours deliver cybersecurity services and what they do or what they do within their own businesses, which I don't have a problem with. If you're an authority and you actually know this stuff. So if it was CISA who was saying this stuff, different perspective than insurers who A, are getting hit with ransomware themselves and B, can't figure out what to do around these products. And they change stuff like every month, right? <clears throat> to the point where I think we talked about it in our group that we're in, where Beasley Insurance is not even going to cover managed service providers right for cyber insurance anymore they're dropping everybody as of what december 1st you no longer have insurance right am i am i wrong on that i've heard rumors of that i can't verify that specifically but i know that even this in this article lloyds of london is telling their their 100 member network that use them to not take on any new cyber insurance in 2022 so it's, you're right, they're having trouble making money. They're trying to figure this out. Um, the latest insurance form that I filled out for a client, it asked about basically the top 12 things that CISA says everybody needs to do. It asked about every single one of those, basically. Um, so you're still at a place where if you are a small and medium business, you can get cyber insurance, but you're gonna need to have full stack cybersecurity in place. And, you know, the reality is, is that the, the insurers, now that it's becoming such a problem for them, like I mentioned before, they're changing the limits, they're lowering those, they're changing what it covers. You know, ransomware payments is a big thing we're seeing 
come out of policies um, that they won't pay the ransom, but they'll pay for everything else. Um, and your your cost for your your policy, your premium uh, is going to go up. It's you know in some industries it's doubled or tripled in the last year and continues to do so every year. Um, I remember when I first started buying cyber insurance, it was under a thousand dollars. I'm well over that, well over that, almost close to 10 times that now, could be quite wow. frank with you, right? And, you know, but to, you know, to be, give you the full spectrum of that situation, I've also upped my coverages, right? Right. My, my risk has increased, my coverages have increased, which has increased that $700 premium to almost $7,000, but I want the protection that I need for my company based on my client base and my own company, right? We're not where we were seven or six years ago when we first started buying cyber insurance. We're in a totally different place now, right? And you have to up your coverage as your business grows. Um, and that's a conversation that maybe your insurance guy isn't having with you because he's not aware that your business tripled in the last two years. Right. Right. <clears throat> if your business tripled in the last two years, you might need to have a conversation with your insurance guy that, you probably need to up your coverage because the coverage that you bought four years ago or five years ago, isn't going to get you through an event today. Right. right? So, you know, um, two, real quick. Um, one, we've already heard this, but um, the European union report in October um, said that COVID-19, the pandemic and rise of work working from home has enabled cyber criminals to flourish. And then uh, Coveware likened the 90 plus, percent uh, profit margin from ransomware attacks in 2021 to the gains Colombian cocaine cartels made in 1992. And we know how that has ended up over the past uh, several decades. So, hey, we went over our five minutes. Our five topics in five minutes took us like 10 minutes or 12 minutes. <laughs> you suck. It's your fault. <laughs> you take the time that we talked. I probably talked for what two and a half minutes and you talked for seven and a half minutes i don't think things the other way around man you smoke you smoke crack if you think i talk more than you wow. <laughs> no, good i appreciate the input and you know so what if it takes us five minutes it's our show That's right. we can do what we want here <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for your input my friend it was a good show We'll get it up there. We'll get it posted to your favorite podcast platform. But as my friend Randy said at the beginning of the podcast, help us grow it organically like you have been. Share out our show. Share it out to your social media. If we did good, if we didn't, don't listen to us. Don't share us. If you're kind enough, go rate us over on iTunes and Google Podcasts and wherever else you download us and maybe leave a little note on why this is a worthwhile podcast to listen to. Um, that's it. Be safe, everybody. Have an enjoyable Thanksgiving holiday. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think on Monday, we're going to have some uh, interesting stories to talk about. Yeah, we will. So, see you on the other side. Take care, everyone. All right. See ya.